0: We've been talking about stepping out of the shadows and looking at the book of Hebrews, and it's been encouraging for me. Uh, I hope it has been for you. Um, The context of the book of Hebrews is really, it's Jewish believers, people that were in the shadow of the Old Testament for many, many years. Believing in Jesus, seeing Jesus, making him Lord of their life. There is a difference. You know that. Knowing about someone and knowing someone is different. If I asked you how many of you know Donald Trump, put your hands up. If I asked Donald Trump how many of you he knows, yeah, there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. <laughs> and so uh, I knew about him for a long, long time. I went to meetings like this, I went to church, I did things, rituals, every Sunday didn't know him. I think at that point, if you asked him, of course he knows me, but we didn't have a relationship. And then there's a time when I give my heart to Jesus and that changes. He steps in. He changes me. And so these guys had done that. But what had happened was a lot of persecution broke out against them. They lost their property because they believe in him. They suffered because they believed in him. People uh, ostracized them because they believed in him. And Hebrews is written as an encouragement not to give up, because there's more than just a reward in this life. There's a reward when he comes again. Amen. And so, (coughs) like all good preachers, at the end of it, you have to be a little bit more practical. You have to say, so what do we do then in the light of this? And Hebrews, if you read through Hebrews, there's a lot of theology But in chapter 13, the writer becomes quite practical. And he says, now, actually, guys, this is what it boils down to. This is what you've got to do. And often if you read um, Hebrews 13, you'll say, remember. Remember. Why is he reminding? Because, you know, sometimes you serve Jesus, you carry on, and you forget the very important things that you have to put into your practical life every day. Not just on a Sunday, every day okay and so we'll just work through chapter 13 as i close this out next week we're not preaching coming out of the shadows because it's the 10th is after the 9th and you know what's happening on the 9th and so on the 10th we have to preach after the 9th so we're not going (laughs) to preach it's an in-house thing you're just all going to pretend as if next week is like ah we didn't just have a long series of six weeks we we're with you okay did you get that did i confuse you apologies Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. So I'm going to do a bit of expository preaching. I'm just going to work through chapter 13, verse by verse, and it's good enough for us to apply just like that. We don't have to improve. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Are you ready? Keep on. So after all of the stuff we preached about, you know, rest and work, grace, leaning into Him, faith, all of that theological stuff, The writer gets to chapter 13, and he says this. I mean, these are the important things. He says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for in doing so, people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering so he breaks this down and the first part he says practically you have to work out if jesus is lord of your life is number one love worked out in community and he mentions three things there number one he says keep on loving each other the emphasis is on keep on because i think we can all do it once isn't it? I've loved you. Okay. Tick. (laughs) And it's funny, you know, because I'm thinking of the context of this, because this, and you can interpret this however you want to do that theologically. I don't think this is necessary saying, start a prison ministry, like go and find any person in prison and just go and visit them. That's not what he's talking about. He's also not saying, go find a stranger and bring him into your house, because I didn't tell you to do that if you're doing that. In this context, he's saying is we are a community of believers. We are Jewish believers. We've all made a commitment to Christ. So what's common to us is that Jesus is Lord. So whether I meet you, meet you from you're from France or you're from Somalia or you're from Switzerland or wherever, if Jesus is king, we're actually part of the same family. And he's talking about that. And he's saying, if anyone is a believer. We should love them like brothers and sisters. Surely he's not talking about unsaved people because they're not our brothers and sisters yet. Does that make sense? And so he's especially talking about those who are believers in Jesus. And what he's saying is keep on loving them. And this requires some effort, as you know. What does it mean practically to to do that? The word there is brotherly kindness. It means to keep reaching out to people. It means do what you say you're going to do. that's being kind keep having compassion on people keep standing with people remember how you speak to people manners is kindness it's brotherly kindness being patient not easily angered and you you know the definition in 1 corinthians 13 verse 4 love is patient love is kind and i know i'm describing us here right Love does not envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it doesn't delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. You can only do this because of this incredible new covenant that Jesus has made where he said, I will take out your heart of stone and I'll put a heart of flesh into you. If it wasn't for Jesus, impossible. Amen? Or you think so? It's possible. You're just like this with everyone. That's wonderful, man. It's amazing that the one thing the the writer of Hebrews reminds us is make sure you love people like a brother and a sister. With all the theology and all of what it means, it means there's a practical outworking to this. And isn't it amazing? Your Christianity is detached from reality if you talk about Jesus, but you can't love people. Amen. And then he says, show hospitality to strangers. And again, I'm not just saying, he's saying pick someone. And No, what he's saying is, when last have you had someone who's a believer in your home for the first time for a meal? That's a stranger. Does that make sense? It's someone who is not usually your person. So, this hospitality, and that's what we get to do even next week. We get to host people because of the name of Jesus. And so, he says, Make sure you're generous. Um, I love the way the message puts it. Be ready with a bed or a meal if needed. That's hospitality. And remember those in prison. What does he mean? He means. Don't forget people who are battling, especially Christians. You know that Christians face the same things the world has to face. You know that. Just because you're a believer in Jesus doesn't mean we somehow just don't go through what the world goes through. But what we should never do is forget them. Remember that guy that was praying one day and he goes, oh, thank you, God, that I'm not in the trouble he's in. Thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed. Now, how about, when last have you remembered a born-again believer? Someone who's following Jesus, who's maybe, it's not really going their way. They've fallen out of the bus a little bit. Life has become hard for them. Remember them. Amen? Awesome, man. This is a very exciting message this morning. Pumped. Especially when I said prison. Excellent. Remember, your your Christianity has to have a practical working out. And the way it is, is through love. That's number one. Love worked out in community. I'm asking you, are you still doing it? I'm asking if you're a follower of Jesus, this is important. Not an add-on. That's number one. Remember, this is how people know we're His disciples. By the love we show to each other. It's practical. Amen. Second thing He says is, Love has to be worked out in marriage. In verse 4 of Hebrews 13, he says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. It's amazing the things he reminds us of. And you might say, like, yeah, this is for the married people. No, no, marriage should be honored by all, which means young and old, single or married. And I know, like, you know, we all got our past and our past is our past. He's not talking about our past. He's talking about our now. And you know why he says marriage is important? The idea of marriage is actually God's marriage. And I know the world thinks they they have the claim on it. Guess what? It's God's idea. And you know when you buy something, you don't read the manual? It's usually a guy thing. Well, now we'll figure this thing out. And the ladies are just like, I mean, as long as it looks pretty, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. <laughs> marriage belongs to God. God's idea between a man and a woman. And I don't know, you know, the world has their ideas. But we, this is, we, this is us. We have to hold on to it. You know why? Because marriage is actually a reflection of Jesus and the church. And Ephesians, if you read it, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ of the church. And then he says there in verse 31, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two become one. Three stages, leaving, cleaving, becoming one. And then he says this, this is a profound mystery. I'm actually talking about Jesus and the church. What's he saying? In this new covenant, I'm in my sin, in my old ways, christ steps in i have to leave my old i have to hold on to him and we become something new it's the same as marriage and if you don't believe in that idea you'll never understand the church and so marriage should be honored by all is that okay let's do that let's keep working on our marriages how many know it's super easy (laughs) I was sitting with a couple, um, and I won't tell you when and who and whatnot. not. They're, they're wanting to come on to leadership in another context in another church, and we're sitting and we're talking to them, and this guy looks at us and um, he says, you know what, I don't know, man. Sometimes we get this right, sometimes we don't, but do you guys have it? Do you guys have, like, you know, he's talking about marriage. Very nice people. And I said to him, you know, marriage is there to make sure that we stay Christ-centered. Because if you're just self-centered, you know, you, you, you're never going to grow. And so that's why church is so important. Let me tell you, it's good for you. It's good for you. Because you have to change your program. You remember when you were a bachelor, those that are married? Hey, you wore what you wanted to wear. You spend your money when you're... Nick's still saying, yeah, oh, sounds familiar. You spend your money on what you want to spend. You do come home when you want to. You you use the dishes till they're finished, and then you wash one because you need to use one. You know what I mean? But when there's two people, it's not just about you. Everything changes, and I think when we become the bride of Christ, everything should change. Our priorities, our times, our schedules. How we spend our money, how we live, our manners, how we treat each other. Everything changes. And that's Christ and the church. Got it? So the idea of marriage, don't let it get messed up by the world. It's his idea. It's a beautiful idea. Intimacy happens in a long-term relationship where you're committed to each other. Amen. And we're going to keep preaching that. No condemnation. We know we all met Christ at some part, but it doesn't matter. The past is the past. That's done. Nothing we can do about that. But from here, from this point on, we're on a marriage. Can't shun away from it. Amen. All right, third thing he says, so, so love in community, love in marriage, three love in generosity or worked on generosity he's just being practical he says in verse five here keep your lives free from the love of money interesting after 12 chapters of theology the things he picks out isn't it keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because god has said never will i leave you never will I, never will i forsake you so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Interesting little verse that he puts in there. What do you, you know money is not evil, you know that. It's the love of money that's evil. And you can have little money or lots of money, it doesn't matter. You can love money when you have little and you can love money when you have lots. And the, how many know the best way to, to stay free from the love of money is... Love Jesus above everything. That's the answer to loving anything more than anything. Yo, it's not sounding very good this morning, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying if you don't want money to be your first love, make Jesus your first love. Just make Him your first love. Second thing is give. That's His way of keeping me free from loving it. Just give regularly, you know. Give of your time, give of yourself, give of your money, give it away. Don't hang on to it. You know your heart and your hand is connected. Don't say my heart is like this, but your hand is (laughs) like that. Your heart and your hand is connected. It's not a financial principle, it's a heart issue. And you know, uh, 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 it says here in, in this verse, the issue is... Who you believe is your source. Because if money is your saviour, if all you think if I just have more of it, or if I just have this, or if you even if you think if you've got plenty of it and you think like, ah, that's my, my backstop, be careful because sometimes he just takes it away to see <laughs> that you're making sure that your job is not your source, your business is not your source. Your boss is not your source. God is our source. And it's not the people and it's not the church that's the source. He's the source. That's what he's saying there. So free from the love of money. And, uh, you know, cash is not king. Jesus is king. (laughs) I had a guy preach this once. Sis on him. He said, and we should actually delete this off the recording, but he said, every morning you get up and you look in the mirror and you say to yourself, I am a money magnet. This is trash. It's absolute trash. Anyway, don't watch that video. Don't look for that guy. And if, you, if you're that guy, just repent. You're not a money magnet. Goodness me. Money, does, money mustn't govern us. That's all. Then God can trust us with big amounts and we It doesn't destroy us. But how many know God's not going to give us something that's going to destroy us? Why would He do that? If He loves us, why would He do that? And so often the case is just who's the source? Is my hand open? Is my heart open? And am I looking to money to be the help in my life or am I looking to the Lord? Hebrews is very, very clear. The Lord is my helper. He puts it in there. Okay. Number four. And. I think there are only five or six, so we're almost done already. But this is a big one. Love uh, is worked out in leadership. It has to be worked out in leadership. Now, again, um, he mentions it two or three times in Hebrew, so I'm going to make a couple more points about this. But he, he's saying practically when it comes to your spiritual walk with God, God has given you human leadership. That's what He's given. And I know a lot of people have abused this. A lot of leaders have abused it. And some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people want it. Some people make too much of it. It doesn't matter. The point is this is something God has given us, that every every one of us is a sheep. So I turn to someone and say, your, your ex, that just came out. I didn't even have to say it, but there we go. And I... Uh, let, let's just be honest, I, even as a shepherd, uh, I'm first a sheep, because if Jesus is the great shepherd, that means I'm a sheep as well, so I should, I, I, these things, I never talk to you as if it's something you have to do, and I don't have to do, I myself, I'm on a team and under leadership, just so you know, I serve on Tyrant's team, um, he leads in Ephesians 4, New Covenant Ministries team, and we are submitted to his leadership in that way. We have meetings, he speaks into our lives, he knows this. So, so I'm not talking to you when I talk about this as if it doesn't apply to me, it applies to me. And Hebrews is very clearly here. If you're going to stay the course in your spiritual walk, leadership is important. And he says then in, in verse 7, he says, Remember your leaders. There's that little word again. Remember, because you can forget that that's important. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Praise God for YouTube. The problem I have is you, you cannot tell that person's life. And they certainly can't tell yours. And so don't call them your leader. I just offended some. That's all right. It says, imitate, how's this? Their way of life and their faith. Okay? And then it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's amazing because he's saying, oh, by the way, when you decide to follow leaders, look for some consistency. Because the great leader, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you don't look just for anointing, first up. Such a great preacher. Not really what you're looking for. Yeah, but powerful prayer, okay? Drives a fancy car. (laughs) The message puts it this way. Appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave the word of God. Take a good look at the way they live. And again, I say this. If you want to follow someone, take a good look at the way they live. If I speak differently when you meet me in Eastman Spa, then I speak here. There's inconsistency in my speaking. If I get up here and I'm like, are we doing this again? But Let's just do it for fun. Hallelujah! Praise God! If I talk like that here, Then when I ask my wife for coffee, I should do the same. (laughs) One coffee, no sugar. I'm just saying. I can't understand it. (laughs) I don't know, whatever else you do. That we do in the gym, Christine, right? That's okay if you do it in the gym when you're in Christine's cycle class. But I'm just saying, it's amazing how we think that somehow when you step up behind a pulpit, you have a different set of standards. No, there should be consistency. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why I dress like this. You know, when they, when they came to arrest Jesus, someone literally had to give him a kiss to identify him from the people around him. Why? Because he was dressed just like them. He didn't have anything else to identify him by. So I've got pointy shoes. I wear them at weddings and funerals. You, you, you'll hardly see me in them. I've got a jacket. I do. one. Anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> Leaders should be consistent in their behavior. And this is a tip for husbands, fathers, parents, any form of leadership spiritually. Make sure your behavior is consistent. Don't tell your kids to do what you're not doing. You can't ask people to do something you're not doing. Guys, you should pray. I hope you're praying. Otherwise, not much leadership there. Your speech. Paul says it shouldn't be yes, yes, no, no. It's yes and no at the same time. What's that? That's the way the world operates. (laughs) In Afrikaans, you can say it eh? (laughs) there. I don't know. It makes more sense. Your commitment. Do you follow through even when it hurts? Are you consistent in your commitment? You know, because we're always keen to say yay and then, ah, it happens with my calendar. I get to this time of the year and I'm thinking, what was I thinking (laughs) last year? But if you make the commitment, be consistent. So check out their lifestyle. Now here's another tip. If you've been checking out your leader's lifestyle for 20 years, saying like, hmm, I'm just watching, 20 years, it's a problem. Have a look, and then it says, yeah, imitate the faith. Let their life somehow instruct the way you live. You have to follow the message their life is giving you, their faithfulness. That's why God put them there. I think sometimes we live out our Christianity like a rugby match. There are 30 people on the field sweating, trying their hardest, because salads don't win scrums. That's apparently a saying. And these 30 guys. And then there's 30,000 telling them how they should be playing. Doing nothing. None of the training, drinking beer, happy. Yeah, but yeah, man, you should be past the ball. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes our Christianity is like that. We think the leaders are the 30 guys on the field. And the masses are the people telling them how they should. Well, you know what you're doing wrong yeah. Christianity is a participation sport. We're all following Jesus. And somehow the leaders God puts there is meant to actually have an impact in your life and make a difference. And so again, he says this twice in Hebrews, in verse 17, he says again, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Any, I, I tell you, we've got some spectacular people in this congregation amazing people who carry weight and responsibility and you know at work when you take the work car or the company vehicle or the things you're in charge with you know you're responsible with them because you're going to have to give an account isn't it the boss going to ask or if you're in charge of your department or your section, you know the weight and the responsibility of that. How much more when it comes to spiritual things, your spiritual life, you know, if you have everything else, but you mess up your spiritual life, you actually mess up everything, you know, that you mess up your eternity. We we understand that, right? So there is a weightiness to this. And so you're not meant to just sit and check out and see and look and you're supposed to, if you've done that and there's consistency, you, you should say, well, Lord, you've put them here for my good. How do I let this impact my life and speak into my life and, and make a difference to, to the way I live? Because they have to give an account to God. Amen? It's a bit weighty. I do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. How is this? Many people don't access this benefit. It's free benefits. Have you read the T's and C's in your following Jesus? There is a free benefit you can access when you make your leader's life a joy. And what you've got to do is ask yourself, well, if that weighty responsibility was yours, not how would I lead the church, how would I want people to work with me and work with your leaders in that way? Does that make sense? Leading people is not an easy job. Um, I've labored, I've toiled, not me. This is in the scripture, just in case you think. Let me just confess this quickly, get it out the way. The other day I had to drive up to Marisburg, and there was, the entry was closed. We were diverted. I honestly needed a coffee. So I pulled off, and I won't say where, and I, this coffee shop was there, and I got this coffee, and I took one sip. No, I didn't cry. This time, <laughs> that's another story. If you don't know what that story is, don't ask Grinnell afterwards, that's all I'm saying. This was completely the opposite. I had a sip and I just knew I can't have this. And so there was a guy looking after the cars outside, I walked up to him, I gave him the cup. And so there was an elderly gentleman, he wasn't of our faith, I knew it, because. and he looked at me and he said to me, that's such kindness. And I went up to him and I said, listen... That's actually just because I can't have that coffee. I'm not that kind. And I walked away, and he had a good laugh at me. And Why did I say that? Don't take glory. You know, it's easy when you're leading people for people to think he's such a hero. We should never make our leaders a hero. Jesus is the hero. They are just human beings. And Paul says, you know, I've labored, I've toiled, I've, I've gone without sleep, I've known hunger, I've known thirst, I've gone without food, I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I daily face, daily face the pressure of the concern for all the churches. It is a pressure. And there is a blessing to make their job a joy. So how do you make their job a joy? Have you ever heard a preacher like this? How to make their life a joy? Number one, serve them. No. <laughs> Wrong answer. There is not a verse in the Bible that says, serve your leaders. Here's what it does say. I'll give you a couple of tips. And like I say, I'm not preaching to you so you can be a blessing to me. I'm, I myself am someone under leadership. I'm trying to live this out for myself as well. Is that okay? And so, number one, stand firm in the Lord. The biggest favor you can do your leaders ever is stand firm in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 8, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. The biggest favor you can do your leader ever is make sure your personal relationship with Jesus is good. Isn't it amazing? Paul says, now I really live because you're standing firm. It blesses spiritual leaders' hearts when we know that you are in a good relationship with Jesus and standing firm in Jesus. And again, I'm just saying like leadership is so messed up at the moment. I know with YouTube and everything, you see so much. There's a word I can't use in church. It's the same as trash. I uh, didn't say it. Honestly, this thing's so messed up. No, if our responsibility is to give an account of your spiritual walk, then the best thing you can do is stand firm in Jesus. Pray every day. Read the word. Press into Jesus. That's a blessing for us got nothing to do with you serving us. So if someone tells you that, you can tell them, go fly. Even me, if I tell you, oh, just come bless me, come cut my grass. <laughs> Trash, man. <laughs> Alex is going to cut it already. No, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just, we got this messed up. It's not how you, this is not the anointed. Somehow, I, you know, in the new covenant, let's just get this right. You're as anointed as I am because it's the Holy Spirit that anoints us. And you have the Spirit and I have the Spirit. So I can never say to you, don't touch the Lord's anointed, because I mustn't touch the Lord's anointed. We're all anointed. So that theology is squiff. It's crooked. It's the wrong idea of leadership. The church doesn't exist to serve the leader's, desires since when is that that makes him out to be christ did he give his life for the church i don't think so did he shed his blood no i don't think so so why does the church exist for him it's trash Just put it out there if you don't like me sorry it's trash because it's his church he died for her you don't touch her you'll have to answer to him make her your servant Stand firm in the Lord. Is this okay? Did I go heavy suddenly? I'm sorry. Well, it's quiet in the front row here, so this is. <laughs> Second thing: serve with your leaders. Here's the thing we misunderstand. We misunderstand. Philippians two twenty two, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. He proved himself because, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. You want to be a blessing. Get involved in the work. Not the work of cutting the leader's grass. Washing his car. Making him... I don't know where we got that. I'll cut your grass if you want. If I got time. Because we're friends. That I'll do. But you're not going to do mine because I'm your leader. That ain't going to happen. What I'll let you do any day, let's get involved in the work of the gospel. Now we're talking. Now we're talking with me, with me. You want to make my life a joy? Let's get on the job together. Not I'm here to service you. Some of you need a major service. Plugs, oil, fuel filters, diagnostics. It's not my job. My job is for you and I to get on with the work together. That's the job. Amen. Amen. Get going with that, man. Be a blessing. Serve with them. Number three, quickly, put into practice. I'm giving you a couple of points on, on l- practically living out love shown in, in, through leadership. I think I'm messing this up. Put into practice what they teach. That's what Hebrews 13 says. Submit to the authority. What's the point of coming every week to be entertained? If you don't want to be led, why do you have leaders? Don't call them leaders. If you don't want a father, why call him father? Why call him master if he's not master? Why call him king if he's not king? You're messing around if you do that. If he's king, he's king. If God put leaders there, it's not for us to put them on a pedestal, adore them like, you know, baseball cards, compare them to like that thing. No, with them in the gospel. Secondly, put into practice what they teach. Why should we have to teach you the same things 500 million, gazillion times? Once should be good. You know, with our kids, we never said, that's one. That's two. We spoke once. After that, there were consequences. I can't tell you what they were. You know why because we wanted them to understand god actually god is god and if he's god then first time i should listen i should just listen and do it amen there's scripture for that philippians 4 9 whatever you've learned whatever you've received whatever you've heard from me whatever you've seen in me put into practice and the god of peace will be with you isn't that a sweet scripture sweet scripture in fact paul could say this i'm sending you Timoth- timothy my son whom i love He's faithful in the Lord. He'll remind you of my way of life in Christ, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. He says, you want to know what I teach? has the guy. I'll just send you the guy. You see this guy? That's what I teach everywhere in every church. It's cool. Really helpful. Be responsible in your area of ministry. Acts chapter 6 verse 3 Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Prayer and ministry of the word is important. Prayer, ministry of the word is important. I know you have jobs. I know you work hard. I know, but some of someone has to get before the Lord. And so when You're given responsibility in the kingdom of God. Just take it seriously. Just be responsible. I don't know. You know, at work, just because we paid for it or we're going to get held accountable, sometimes we take it more seriously. This is the kingdom, man. Every little bit you get given. Do you know, even if you take a glass of water, even this here. Now I'm going to take his reward away, but next week he can do it again. Even this, what he did is recorded. He only did this because Jesus is Lord, his Lord, and my Lord. We would not even be in the same room if it wasn't for Jesus. We wouldn't know each other, maybe, I don't know. I don't think maybe in the UFC we would have fought each other or something. It's recorded. Go read your scripture. It says, even a, one glass of water, because someone's a disciple, you'll surely not lose your reward. So if you're working for a boss and you do all that, why not in the kingdom? How come you're so irresponsible? Be responsible amen believe the best unless there's evidence that says differently and let me just say this that's why i don't entertain this uh there's a lot of people like bethel and all sorts of big names and people want to come and have a debate with me about that i don't know them how can i tell you anything i know jesus i know what you're supposed to do i know the bible i don't even know them can we not talk about them can we not entertain an accusation against them unless you got witness that you can take before a court and often our evidence is like yeah i heard so-and-so say so-and-so say who so-and-so said there's like third-hand evidence that'll never stand up in a court of law unless you've got evidence just believe the best amen simple keep it simple pray for them and encourage them hebrews they are human they sweat they eat they get hungry they're normal People. Isn't it amazing that Jesus did this? Jesus got sad, he got hungry, he he became a human just like us. And in leadership, sometimes we think they're immune, bulletproof. No. Tonto. Not so. Pray for us, Hebrews thirteen eighteen. I'm taking too, too much time here. We have no doubts about we uh, about what we're doing or why, but it's hard going, and we need your prayers. Isn't that cool? All we care about is living well before God. Pray that we may be together again. All right. Too much time. Okay, last two I'm just going to mention quickly. So love in community, love in marriage. Don't love money. Love worked out in leadership. Fifthly, love worked out through His Word. Here's what He says in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 9, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Hello? Stick to the Word. It says it's good for us, for our hearts to be strengthened by grace and not by eating ceremonial foods. I want to tell you, trust the Word, stay with the Word, stick to the Word. You can't improve on the Word. You'll hear when we preach here. You'll see more scripture, hopefully, than our own opinions and our own, because we trust the word. You can stand on the word. Let's stick to the word right to the end. It's the word that God's given us. Amen. And we're in the new covenant of grace. We understand that Jesus has come and some things have happened. We're not legalistic, stuck in the Old Testament. We're in the new covenant in the grace of God. Uh, I praise God for books. Read as many books as As you can. But let me say this. I hope you're reading more of the Bible than you're reading books. Trusting the Holy Spirit for your own revelation. Not someone else's second-hand revelation. Because you can't live on takeouts. All the time. Last one. Love worked out in service to Jesus. Here it is. Just six practical things. If you're following Jesus, it, it must work its way out into service. has to. Verse 15, through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name, and do not forget, see there it is again, to do good and to share with others with such sacrifices God is well pleased. After 12 chapters of theology, what's he saying? He's saying make sure you're always Praising God and you're doing good and you're sharing with others. Has to. The message puts it this way make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack in working for the common good. Don't grow slack. Share what you have with others. Doesn't matter what you have, are you sharing? God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, different kinds of sacrifices that take place in the kitchen. In the workplace and on the streets. Pretty cool. Let's stand together and I'll read the last verses over you. And we are done. Our Christianity has a practical aspect to it. It's not just an idea. What Jesus did actually changes our lives. It changes how we speak, how we think, how we live. When we do this, there is a blessing from the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. If you can just raise your hands like this. I'll read it over us. Just receive this. And now. May the God of peace. Who through the blood of the eternal covenant. Brought back from the dead. Our Lord Jesus. That great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good. For doing his will. And may he work in us what's pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Drink coffee. Put your names down. Let's hang together. We're preparing for next week. Next week you're bringing people from 530 downstairs. We're going to tell the Christmas story.